The biggest pro football overlays in Vegas are back with 12 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circa Sports. With two ways to win and no rake. Circa Million with quarterly payouts and 100% payback. And Circa Survivor. Select one team each week with no point spread. Take in the big money with 12 million in guaranteed prizes. Enter in Vegas. Play from anywhere. Visit CircaSports.com for details. Must be 21 or older and in Nevada to legally enter. Circa Sports encourages responsible gaming. All rights reserved. What's up? This Shaq Barrett, outside linebacker of the Tampa Bay Bucks, and you're listening to the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. What is going on, everybody? I hope you're having a great day today. This is Alex from the Fresh Fantasy Podcast. This is the 38th episode of Season 3. Today, we are talking about another 10 questions type episode, talking about things all over fantasy land, like breakouts, rankings, debates, guys we're higher on, lower on, and all of everything in between. But joining me today to break this all down is a man who is on the Mount Rushmore of fantasy football accuracy when it comes to rankings. He has over 68,000 followers and is probably one of the only fantasy people in the world with that many followers out that lives outside the u.s he is the talented the wonderful the leading analyst at the score he is justin boone welcome back to the show what's up man always good to come on with you we had to take like a bit of time to calm down we were laughing pretty hard we were joking around before we started <laughs> recording here so we still probably have the giggles a little bit but uh yeah it's always good to to join you i'm glad we've been able to do this uh more i think this is the second time on this year now right so yep. uh it's exciting and uh yeah we have to get you on, on my show pretty soon here yeah absolutely anytime would absolutely love to but this is this is the time that we can giggle because once the season starts and then whoever our favorite player that we have on our team whoever my most rostered best ball player that's gonna like go down you know after week one like this is the time where i can giggle and enjoy it where you know about a month from now it's gonna be week five my two highest best ball exposure players are going to be hurt, and it's just going to be a tough week every week. And um, But again, this is the time to enjoy it. All training camp is going on, preseason is going, and we are just praying that there are no big injuries in preseason. No J.K. Dobbins, please. No anyone else. Just more injury scares that end up being nothing like we saw with Zach Wilson and Drake London, and hopefully no one else has big injuries. But we got a lot to get to for today's show. The first section of the show today in this 10 question style episode is going to be our breakouts for each position. We each are going to give one breakout from quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and tight end. Justin, you are the guest. We'll start with you. Who is your breakout quarterback for this year in fantasy football? I mean, I don't want to take the low hanging fruit. We were talking before the show about how like we've been discussing breakouts and busts and all this stuff. It's been months of this. I've been on a bunch of shows. I've talked about it on my show so much to score fantasy football podcast. But for this one, I have to. I have to take Trey Lance. And I think in one of my previous times on the show, you gave me a hard time that I didn't have Lance ranked high enough. I was just sort of hedging my bet with Jimmy Garoppolo still there and with Kyle Shanahan, you know, capable of doing something that we all think would be foolish, which was going back to Jimmy Garoppolo because we saw him stick with Jimmy last year. So I think I was hedging a little bit. I had him a little bit lower. Now I've definitely moved him up. I said at the time that I was not going to argue against Trey Lance. I am never going to argue against Trey Lance. I think this guy's an incredible talent. And we saw just a glimpse of it last year, right? He had those three games where he got in there for more than 50% of the snaps. In two of those three games, he was a top 13 fantasy quarterback on the week. 
I know there's a lot of people out there that say negative things about this guy. I don't get it. Young quarterbacks are going to struggle a little bit. They're going to hit these speed bumps. They're going to make some dumb mistakes and throw some bad interceptions. All of that's going to happen, and it's okay. We're looking at this for fantasy right now, and the rushing talent that he has and the supporting cast that he has around him, and we'll even give Kyle Shanahan some props for that system. All of that is just a fantastic situation that raises his floor so much and gives him that big-time ceiling. But the other thing that he has that I don't think people talk about enough is that willingness, that big arm and the aggressive mentality to go downfield with the ball, right? Last year in the preseason, had a big catch downfield. I forget, I think it was Trent Sherfield, maybe. This year, we just saw Danny Gray, the rookie, 76 yards, gets that bomb, takes it to the house. We're going to see more of those plays in this offense with Trey Lance out there. That is incredibly exciting for fantasy. It should be incredibly exciting for 49ers fans and for the 49ers chances of going deep into the playoffs. So I am all in on Trey Lance. I have him ranked as my QB nine. I keep trying to move him up even more QB eight. I've kind of have him in that range. There's times when I've taken him as the, the seventh or eighth quarterback off the board, depending on my build. But yeah, he is a guy that I think it is almost a guarantee in my mind that Trey Lance is going to be a fantastic fantasy quarterback and somebody that has the potential of everything comes together to be a top five kind of guy. Yeah, well, I'm, my last episode of my, my My Guys episode, I, I gave Trey Lance my flag plant. He's the guy this year that I think I believe in more than go. anybody. I don't want to keep talking about him too much because I feel like it's, again, like <laughs> you, you talked about on your show that we end up talking about a lot of the same guys and just kind of pounding the drum and trying to convince the people. Trey Lance, that guy for me. One interesting note of something new that I have not talked about with Trey Lance that I was someone that, again, we've heard amazing reports at a camp, teammates, everyone around the 49ers have said that this guy is special. He's going to be doing big things. But one thing I saw today on Twitter was really, really interesting. And it was one of the beat reporters that reported that in these scripted portions of 49ers practice, Trey Lance's completion percentage has been about 50. But in those move the ball periods, which are more like actual game-like periods, he's been completing passes right around 70%. And what the beat reporter pointed out was that in these scripted portions, it's clear that Kyle Shanahan is trying out these crazy, wacky plays and really trying to see what Trey Lance can do. And they're trying some really unique things. But when it's game time, whether we saw in preseason week one or whether it is, you know, these move the ball periods in practice, Trey Lance has been awesome. Teammates, coaches, everyone around, fantasy analysts like Justin Boone, all saying great things about Trey Lance. You can't not buy him. He's going to be amazing this year. But the other guy off of Trey Lance that I'm ending up with the most shares of in all my fantasy leagues this year is Jalen Hurts. I mean, Jalen Hurts was literally the QB1 in fantasy football for the first 11 weeks last year before a highly sprained ankle. He was number one among all QBs in fantasy points per drop back. And now the Eagles added A.J. Brown. Hurts should be even better going into his third year. But again, we saw that last year that Jalen Hurts with Quez Watkins and Jalen Rager as as top four target getters in this Eagle offense. And Jalen Hurts was still the QB one, you know, until he got hurt last year. And then they add in AJ Brown. This is the second year in this offense. And then Devontae Smith is still ascending. Dallas Goddard is still ascending. Maybe Jalen Rager could could get just slightly better off of that. Terrible. I don't know about that. <laughs> But everyone else in this offense should be getting better, including Hertz and more comfortability. So I don't see why this guy could not be the QB1 overall in fantasy football this year. One other note on this, and I know Matthew Barry's talked about this. I've talked about this on a previous show before, but it's the parallels are similar with the whole Josh Allen explosion. I know I'm not saying Jalen Hurts is going to be Josh Allen, people, but just with a guy that people question the accuracy, 
They were QB1 for the previous season before they did it for a good portion of the season with bad weapons. And then you add a top receiver, and then you see that the levels they take it to, especially when they're going into their third year, I think Jalen Hurts is that guy. And again, I talked about Trey Lance that has had some tough practices, but it seems like almost every practice Jalen Hurts is lighting up Eagles, the Eagles practice. So are you a Jalen Hurts guy? You know, more, maybe more, maybe a little more than you were last year. I'm just kidding. I'm just giving you crap. But how do you feel about Jalen Hurts? <laughs> Well, I would say I think those fantasy stats are a little misleading because early in the year, he didn't look great. They tried to throw a ton. He wasn't really able to get it done. The weapons have gotten much better. And later in the year, when they started running the ball more, they kind of figured it out with him and the, the way to win and the way to kind of get the most out of that offense. I think this year they're going to be smart. They're going to come back. They're going to try to throw it a bunch. It's going to end up somewhere in between, and that's going to be the best possible scenario. I really like Hertz. I think this one's just a matter of semantics. Like Because he did so well last year, because on the year, I think he was – in average fancy points per game, I think he was the QB six, I believe. Uh, I just don't think that he can be qualified as a breakout at this point because I think he really no. did it last year for a big enough stretch that I don't think we're going to let him sneak into this category. But a guy that absolutely has number one QB overall upside, a much different quarterback than than Josh Allen. But we're looking at these guys like Jalen Hurts, like Trey Lance, these guys that if the situation around him can be as, as good as it was for Josh Allen, if they can bring him along the same kind of way, they get him the weapons and those two scenarios for Lance and Hertz, they've done that. The offensive line in, in Philly is much better than the offensive line in San Francisco, but you look at the situation around them and they have lots of playmakers. They're both going to have really great seasons and the rushing ability is definitely there to, to guarantee that there's not going to be a lot of bad weeks for those guys, unless you're in something like the Scott Fishbowl where you're getting minus four for an interception, that might hurt you a little bit in those. Definitely. But the other thing I should have clarified about Jalen Hurts, because there probably are some people that are that are already ready to shut off the podcast because I said Jalen Hurts is a breakout candidate, <laughs> is these are guys that I think are significantly going to outperform their ADP. They're going to break out relative to where they're going in drafts. So yes, Jalen Hurts going around the QB6, QB7. I think that he's going to take it to another level and break out into that top three or four type QB range. And I think that he's going to have a big year. But let's move on to our running backs. Justin, we will start with you. Who is one of your breakout running backs for this year? A guy that you are really, really high on. I don't want to keep going first here because I feel like I'm taking all the, the obvious guys. But uh, Travis Etienne is somebody that uh, I've been high on going back to last year before the injury he has the draft capital. He has the, the skill set that I want a fantasy back. He has the pass catching ability. He has the breakaway speed. And there was some concerns after the Liz Frank injury, after having a foot injury like that, will he be able to come back? Well, everything we've seen this off season, he was out there in OTAs looking pretty good. He's been out there in training camp, looking fantastic. All these reports that He's looking like the best skill position player on the team, that the speed is back, the explosiveness is there. And we saw it in that first preseason game. People might look at the stat line and go, 10 touches and 33 yards from scrimmage. That's not great. But I'm looking a little closer to some of those highlights where he looked explosive, where he was getting upfield quick. He was looking decisive in his, in his running. So I really liked what I saw from him there and the fact that they gave him 10 touches. I don't know if they were trying to test him out or if that's a sign of things to come, but when you look at that offense and the coaching staff change, bring in some real adults in the room now, you get rid of the Urban Meyer regime. Now Etienne's going to have a chance with his college quarterback and Trevor Lawrence. They're going to have a chance to do something a lot better this year than what we saw from that offense last year. So I'm very excited about him. Some concerns about James Robinson, just that he's coming back a little faster than we hoped, but not that we hoped, than we expected maybe, or than <laughs> Travis Etienne managers hope perhaps. 
maybe I just outed myself there for that. But I have both of them on quite a few dynasty teams, actually. But um, looking at the situation for him, it's not about whether he's going to be able to get back out in the field. We saw with Cam Akers, he was able to get back out there. It's what version of himself is he going to be when he gets back out there? And coming back, it's just a, you know less than a year from that injury. We saw with Akers rushed back in the playoffs. It didn't look great. You can make arguments about that, that the matchups were bad. The offensive line struggled maybe. When you look at Robinson at this point, he's trying to come back pretty quick here in an offense that you know doesn't have the most established line, doesn't have the most established offense to begin with. We're excited about where they could go. We're going to see him come back and take some touches, but he's not going to be the James Robinson that we've been used to the last couple of years. He's not going to be 100% of what he was. It's going to take some time. We've seen with other running backs, takes more than a year, sometimes two years before they get back to anywhere near what they were before the injury. So I think hoping that James Robinson can go out there and be anything close to what he was before, I think that's a stretch. It could happen. Medicine makes incredible advances all the time, but I think that's a stretch. I think he's going to be in more of a complimentary role. We're going to have Etienne being the guy that's really explosive. Sort of, we could look at it maybe even like the, the Alvin Kamara, Mark Ingram backfields with the Saints, where you have kind of that bigger body guy, and then you have the more explosive weapon. And Kamara was a guy that he didn't need 15 carries most weeks to give you big-time fantasy stats. I think Etienne is going to be somebody like that. Yeah, I love that. Well, we better hope that James Robinson's like third cousin like isn't isn't tuning into the Fresh Fantasy podcast. He will be coming <laughs> coming after you. James I love James Robinson. He helped me win multiple dynasty t- titles in the last few years. I have nothing oh, bad to say about him. I know it's going to be TMZ later. They're going to be like lead analyst at Canadian Football Company, just tearing on James Robinson for trying to recover quickly from injury. So I can <laughs> I can see it now. We'll hope that doesn't happen. But again, I I'm with you though. But I think the interesting thing that is that I, I'm a big Travis Etienne guy as well. It was his usage, you know, in week one. And I guess one week of the preseason. You know, I, I know that does not say everything, but the fact that they had him in for 22 of the 25 offensive snaps, you know, that first week says a lot to me. And I know James Robinson didn't play and it was Snoop Connor, but that to me says that if James Robinson isn't fully healthy or he was not playing, that they're willing to give Travis Etienne the whole workload. And I think they easily could have given Snoop Connor a lot more work with the first team and said, we're going to work ETN in. It's the first preseason game. But they said, no, like we're ready to let this guy loose. So that says to me, if James Robinson's not there, that they're going to be willing to give, you know, ETN a lot of that work. But again, he also doesn't need to. You know, he has a quarterback in Trevor Lawrence who led the NFL in checkdown rate last year, which is perfect for a guy like Travis ATM that he also played with in college. And Anyone that listens to this podcast knows that Travis Etienne is one of 12 players to ever earn a 90-plus grade from next-gen stats pre-draft. Every one of those other players has a top-12 season in fantasy football. He's also one of six running backs to earn that 99 grade from next-gen stats pre-draft. The only other running backs to do it are Jonathan Taylor, Saquon Barkley, Nick Chubb, Melvin Gordon, and Brees Hall. Again, elite company, elite players. Travis Etienne has elite potential in this offense. Before we move on to the wide receiver portion, I just want to tell you all about a new company called Fantasy Sports Docs. They are doing something no one has ever seen before in the fantasy football industry, affordable 30 for 30 style documentaries for your fantasy football league playoffs. Prices start at less than $20 per team in a standard 10 or 12 team league. They have a very easy to use video, video interview platform that only takes three to five minutes per round for each playoff team. Just imagine for me that it's your year. Trophies and belts don't tell your championship story, but if Fantasy Sports Doc does, check them out at fantasysportsdocs.com today. I will say, Justin, 
I have looked at their thing and I actually really like what they're doing. I'm a 30 for 30 guy. I love 30 for 30s. I love telling stories. And this is one of those perfect tools to be able to do it. And you know what else is speaking of perfect is your next breakout candidate at wide receiver, the best position in all of fantasy football, the guys that don't get hurt, the guys that break out, that can perform well at any point in the entire draft. Who is your guy for today's episode that you are bringing in for your breakout wide receiver? Well, going back to my time in the the fantasy pros contest, I know people tended to comment about my wide receiver rankings being better than some of my other rankings. So maybe this is one we should pay a little more attention to. But again, I think it's a guy that if we're going to just put this out there and say, you know, who is it going to be? There's a guy that really stands. There's two, but there, there's one guy I think that that really stands out to me, and it's Rashad Bateman. And it was even before Marquise Hollywood Brown was gone. I was in on him all the way. We saw him come out last year. He had this bizarre rookie season where he was injured to start the year. And then he comes back. Lamar Jackson misses time at the end of the year. Just pretty much one of the worst possible ways that a rookie could get introduced to the NFL. And yet he was able to produce, right? And three of his first four games went over 50 yards. Had that big 100-yard game against the Browns. While he was on the field, had a 21% target share. And now he's coming back this season, has this full off season. He's entering the year healthy. We're getting great reports out of camp that he looks fantastic. He's one of the guys that's getting a bunch of buzz out there. And I know you could look at it and say, well, maybe he's not technically the number one receiver because tight end Mark Andrews is kind of the number one receiver. What I think when I look at that offense is that it's going to be a really condensed passing game, right? It's going to be mostly Andrews and Bateman because when you look at all the other options there, they don't throw to the backs very much. Maybe because of this, they're going to this season. But from what we've seen in the past, they have never really come through with that. Every offseason, they tell us they want to. And every year, they don't end up doing it. When you look at the other receivers that they have there, I like James Prochet. He's injured right now. So will he be ready for week one? Devin Duvernay, we're not hearing a ton about him coming out of camp. Tylen Wallace is banged up. Could they bring in someone else? Who else is out there? Will Fuller, we haven't heard anything about Will Fuller. At this point, is he even going to play in the NFL again? I have no clue, right? We just, it's so strange to have a guy that did what he did in the NFL, not get any sort of buzz, any sort of headlines, no rumors about him going anywhere at this point. Very bizarre. So I'm not sure who's left on the free agent market that could come in and really eat into this target share a whole bunch. I don't see like Cole Beasley. Like, I don't know who else is out there who's going to do it. So I think Bateman is going to establish himself. I think when you look at his prospect profile, he was a guy that profiled as a number one receiver in the NFL. I'm very excited to see what he could do with a full season of Lamar Jackson out there in his sophomore year, taking that leap forward. He is my guy. I have him up in my low end wide receiver two ranks. And I think there could be a lot more for him. I completely agree. I, I love Bateman. I, I think Bateman's a really good player. And I guess besides Will Fuller, like who else could possibly come in? And I don't, Will Fuller is more of a target deep guy than a target share guy. So even if he comes into this offense, I don't think that he's going to eat enough targets. I think the only guy possible that could possibly, you know, derail both the team and Bateman's targets is Antonio Brown, who, who I highly doubt is going to end up in, in Baltimore. I just worth that was, you know, mentioning his name because it's like, you know, like he he said the other day, I mean, getting to watch him play is like watching Jesus at Red Rock Stadium. So I, I thought that quote was a joke for anyone who saw that. Make sure you check out Antonio Brown's social medias for his quote on what it was like seeing him play. Anyone that missed it. But again, I'm still curious point- with Brown. I mean, we're going to go off the rails here for a second, but I'm yeah, still curious ahead. with him. There was a point where he was talking about he wasn't going to get the surgery that he needed on. I believe it was his ankle unless yep. a team signed him and he never got signed. So did he ever take care of that? Like at this point, I don't think that we're going to see him this season, maybe ever, yep. 
But I'm not so sure that, yeah, we've seen the last of Antonio Brown, which is unfortunate because he's a fantastic football player. I wish he was out there in the NFL. He's very entertaining off the field storylines as well. But um, it, it would be unfortunate if we don't see him anymore. But I'm not really factoring him in as a guy that I think is going to show up on a roster and, and hurt anyone's fantasy stock at this point. I completely agree. And Antonio Brown reminds me of that show that keeps getting renewed that just gets worse every year where it started off so good for the first few seasons and then it just goes more and more off the rails. And then every season, by the time you're in like season eight or nine and the show should be canceled a long time ago, he's, you know, performing at concerts and doing all these crazy dances. So he's like as that far show. As the show. I think you're describing Westworld. For some reason, <laughs> I've continued to watch that show. First season was great. Since then, I just watched, I wanted to see what was going to happen. I watched it till the end this year. They have all these fantastic actors on the show and what a disaster it turned out to be. I, if they come back for another season, I will definitely not watch. So, but the, that's, that, that's the, the show. It's, when you were saying it, it was to a T you were describing Westworld. But but the same thing with it, but it, with Antonio Brown versus Westworld for you, it's like even if he comes back, I still want to watch. Like I, whatever team he plays on, like I'm still curious just to see the ending and the finish and whatever new season finale they come up or however he can top taking his jersey <laughs> off and running on the field. So I don't know what it is, but I hope Antonio gets signed because again, great player, great talent, and never short for some popcorn and some good entertainment. But my breakout wide receiver for today's episode is actually Juju Smith-Schuster. And again, breakout relative where he's going in drafts. And I was not a Juju guy. And he's a guy I brought up because I didn't want to keep talking about Michael Pittman. I don't want to keep talking about Cortland Sutton or Monroe St. Brown or Kadarius Toney or other guys like that. Juju's someone that I've really started to come into my own. And it's less about the talent, I think, and it's more about just game theory in general for fantasy football and just the situation that he's in. I mean, Juju is only 25 years old. He's been the clear Chiefs wide receiver one in training camp. He's playing in arguably the best offensive scheme in football that has 53% of their targets up for grabs, including 44% of their targets inside the 10-yard line are up for grabs. But here's the thing with Juju, where I actually don't really believe in the talent. I don't think Juju's a great route runner. I don't think that he gets open that well. And I know he's playing in a great offense. So you're saying, Alex, he's in a great offense. That's why you want him? No. Like we saw the same thing with Cooper Cup, and I felt like I made the same mistake with Cooper Cup last year, where I was like, "Eh, he doesn't really get open at a you know super elite level, so I don't really want a slot ride receiver that you know just gets schemed open." And we saw what Cooper Cup did, and what Cooper Cup does year after year after year. And Juju is not going to be you know have a Cooper Cup type season. I'm not saying that, people. But when you talk about being in one of the best schemes, you know, in all of football, he's playing with the best quarterback in all of football. And outside of Travis Kelsey, he has no real competition in that wide receiver room outside of someone like Sky Moore. Like Marquez Valdez-Scantling's never commanded more than 15% of the targets. And Juju doesn't need to get open at elite level. He's going to be in the slot. He's going to be in a team that schemes open players as well as any team in the entire NFL while also being tied to the best quarterback while Juju's already had wide receiver one finishes and is still just 25 years old. Like to me, Juju feels like the player that I was off on and I would get wrong in years past where it's just so obvious sticking right out in front of me that he's going to be productive for fantasy football this year. And I, I just missed him. And I, I don't want to make that same mistake again. And it looks so perfectly to those guys every year that we're like, why did we not buy into the wide receiver one at that price on a really good team with a good quarterback? So Juju is someone I'm in on. Am I getting too excited about the game theory and maybe Juju is just falling off or, or is Juju someone that you're buying right now? I don't think that he's the same player he was when he first came in the league. I think injuries did hurt him a little bit, 
but I think he still has enough to put up a, a good fantasy season based on volume that he's going to get there. And it's another situation like Rashad Bateman, where you have Travis Kelsey, you have a tight end there who is a de facto number one receiver in the offense, but there's still going to be a lot left over for other guys. And Juju right now, all the reports we're hearing, like you said, are that he's going to be that guy. Now I saw today, I didn't look too much into it that he got banged up. So we'll have to make sure that that's not anything. It wasn't, didn't seem like anything serious, but he was missing practice with some sort of injury. So just make sure that he's okay there. But yeah, Juju is a guy in that range that I will take a shot on for sure. And just hope that he can put it together with the volume. Cause like you said, I don't think talent wise, he's going to be the guy that is going to command everything on his own. I think it's going to just be in part the situation and the offense and the quarterback that he's attached to, but yeah, definitely somebody that I like quite a bit. Yeah. And Sky Moore is another guy I'm buying. I think both those guys in this offense are guys that I'm, I'm getting a lot. Of. And again, the other thing I'm also saying with Juju is like right now, I think in, in consensus rankings, he's going around wide receiver 30. So I'm willing to buy that price all day because at that price, you have someone with elite potential that you can get an elite offense, elite QB, elite talent, obviously. And again, he's not the same player that he used to be. He's not going to be Cooper Cup and finish the wide receiver one overall or even finish top five. But I think he's a guy that has a good chance to break out relative to his value right now and go a lot far beyond that. So Juju, a guy that I am in on. But the final position I wanted to get to today for our breakouts. I'm really excited about my guy. So Justin, for once, I will start off if, if, if I may here because I am so excited about this guy. And the more I read, the more I like him. And, you know, shout out for to JJ Zacharyson for kind of getting me on and getting me to dive deeper at this guy. And it's David Njoku on the Browns a guy that I'm really starting to buy a lot of in fantasy football. I mean, he's the fifth highest paid tight end in the NFL, and I think money talks. And you know, his new QB, Jacoby Brissett, targets tight ends at a top five rate in the NFL since he came into the league. And if you know Jacoby Brissett isn't the quarterback, then it'll be Deshaun Watson. But either it's going to be a guy like Brissett that targets tight ends at a top five rate or Deshaun Watson, who will be a, a good quarterback for David Njoku to have in an offense that does not have a lot of target competition outside of Amari Cooper, who's never commanded higher than a 22% target share. But Austin Hooper also left, which opens up even more targets for Njoku, who goes as the tight end 18 in drafts. But one other log to this fire going on right now with someone like David Njoku is the fact that in that first preseason games, he only played nine snaps but they were all with the first, he played hundred percent of the snaps with the first team. And that's the biggest thing where over the last couple of years with Austin Hooper and Harrison Bryant, David Njoku has been playing about 64% of the snaps. And now he's still getting better. You know, I think he's 25 or 26 years old. Now he's in an offense with even less target competition than there's been the last couple of years. And he's playing with guys that target the tight end position very heavily on top of getting paid, which means they want to have a big role for him. And he's finally playing hundred percent of the snaps. All things are lining up for me. And he has the athleticism to top it off. All things are lining up for David Njoku to have a big season as one of those guys in the later rounds that could break out. Are you a David Njoku guy? And also, who is the guy that you have? Before I say anything about Njoku, I want to say shout out to Nate Yonke of PFF for all the – he's charting all these guys oh, that are goodness. playing. We're getting all these snap counts in the preseason even. I know he does it during the regular season, but he's putting it out there in the preseason. It is incredibly value, valuable information. So make sure yeah, that you man. go follow Nate Yonke and get all that stuff on your own. Uh, Njoku, yeah, I, I like him. I, I like him quite a bit. I, I don't love that offense. I don't want to really have to root for that offense at any point this year based on Deshaun Watson potentially coming back late in the season. We'll see what happens with the appeal. But there's no doubt the talent's there. He already has a 600-yard season on his resume. The athleticism is off the charts. It's just a matter of can he put it together? Can he get enough volume 
in order to put up a, a really big fantasy year. And even if Jacoby Brissett's the quarterback, Brissett's going to be throwing a lot more short routes and Njoku is going to be catching a lot of that kind of stuff. So if we see Amari Cooper get hurt at some point, Amari Cooper somebody that has had a ton of injuries over the last few years. He's missed some time in training camp with another, I think, ankle issue this time around. If he misses time during the season, who's going to step up in that passing attack between, I like David Bell, he's a rookie, and he's missed some time with injury. So is he going to be ready to go? Uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, more of that field stretcher type. I don't know that he's going to command a huge target share. So I think we could see a, a pretty good season out of Njoku. And it doesn't take much to sneak into that low-end tight end one range, right? Pretty good touchdown season or a decent amount of yards, and you're kind of right up into the top 12 or the top 10 or so. That's where I think that my guy's going to end up this year. And my guy's Cole Komet. You look at what he did last season, just didn't score touchdowns. Other than that, had 60 receptions. He was top 12 in that amongst tight ends. Had over 600 yards, was top 12 in that amongst tight ends. So the opportunity is going to be there. You don't have Jimmy Graham there weirdly stealing the red zone looks away from him at this point. I don't even know why that was happening last year. And you look at that offense and the lack of secondary pass catchers. You have Darno Mooney, you have Cole Komet. And other than that, they're going to have to throw to the running backs. I mean, they've had some injuries as well to those other guys to the point where they're touting Tajay Sharp as somebody that could be the number two receiver in the offense. Like that's how bad it's getting. So Mooney, I really like and commit somebody that based on the volume, I think could get up there into the top 10 or so this year. I love that. I really love that. Cole Komet's a guy that I've been talking about a lot on, on my show, a guy that I also believe in. And the biggest thing I think that gets overlooked is constantly the thing is that, well, he didn't score touchdowns. And, like, you know, are they going to throw him in the red zone? But, I mean, he did 19.7% red zone target share last year. And I think that he had the – it was I think it was the second most red zone targets in the NFL without a touchdown behind only Cole Beasley for the Bills, which is a uh, – that's an Isaiah McKenzie stat. The guy that will probably take over – could mean big things for him and your bills this year for Isaiah McKenzie. Who knows? Guy I'm targeting late in my drafts. But the point is, Cole Komet already was getting the red zone work last year. He's due for a lot more touchdowns this year. And again, these other guys in this offense outside of Darnell Mooney are going down. Some of their other pass catchers that weren't big threats to begin with. But he has such potential for a big season this year. And I heard an, an interesting comparison. And this is this is probably – this is not what I think. There's just something interesting to note that – <laughs> Justin Fields, I, I've heard you know some rumblings that he could be eerily similar to someone like Lamar Jackson in his breakout season where we were all fading him, that he had the rushing ability, but we consistently faded him because of his weapons. And you know, Cole Komet could be a you know like a sneaky athletic tight end like Mark Andrews that could do some big things. And maybe Darnell Mooney is their version of Marquise Brown and the new offensive coordinator that they get, and we're overlooking of how much a coordinator change and a play caller change can really help a quarterback. And, you know, we don't know exactly what Luke Getze, the new offensive coordinator for the Bears, is going to bring, but it seems like it's an offense that's going to fit Justin Fields' skill set a lot more, you know, than it did where well, Matt Nagy's skill set. Go ahead. You know, I was going to say, from what we're hearing, this isn't just your regular, like, oh, it's a new coordinator, maybe things yeah. will be better. Some of the stories that have come out were embarrassing for that previous coaching staff, where you yep. have a guy like Darnell Mooney talking about, oh my God, they're moving me around the formation and trying to get me open. Like, why yep. on earth was that not happening before, right? So I think that that's a situation where you can look at that offense and be hopeful. Now, there's other concerns. The offensive line is really bad and stuff, but you can be hopeful that the coaching staff will be a positive and an upgrade this year. 
And, and that's the biggest thing is that they're going to be an upgrade and a positive thing for that offense. And again, I'm not saying I'm not here to say that Justin Fields is Lamar Jackson 2.0 and he's going to be that guy. That guy's that guy's Trey Lance, but or Patrick Mahomes is Trey Lance. I don't know. I'm just making comparisons for the sake of making comparisons. But <laughs> interesting two things. Names interesting things to note when it's talking about Justin Fields and drafts. And I think that gives potential to someone like Cole Komet and Darnell Mooney, who are going to be target monsters. And as we know, in the great sport of fantasy football, volume is also king. Before we get into a couple of uh, rankings debates versus you versus the expert consensus rankings, I want to talk about two guys, one at running back, one at wide receiver, that we are not so in on where they're going right now. So we'll start with you. Who is a running back that you're a little bit worried about right now for not only where they're going in drafts, but their potential of what they're going to look like for this season. So who, who's the guy that's, that's, you know, scaring you and maybe, maybe you keeping up with some night sweats a little bit. I don't know about that. I don't worry about it that much. Um, <laughs> I mean, Antonio Gibson, I've been on that one all off season. I don't think we have to spend a lot of time on it, but the fact that they brought back McKissick, the fact that they were looking at a bunch of other running back prospects, they eventually took Robinson that they immediately touted Robinson as this one, two punch. And you look back and Antonio Gibson last year led all running backs in the league in fumbles. And it was six fumbles, six balls, four lost on the season. And now he comes out, he's dealt with fumbles again in practice. And he comes out in this first preseason game and he fumbles. And after this, now we see that he's had this weird practice today where he's lined up with the first team offense, the second team offense, the third team offense, and the punt team. So I, I don't know what that's all about. Maybe they're trying to punish him or whatever. But I think when you look at his situation with McKissick taking the passing down work, with Robinson obviously factoring in and there's a potential that he could just straight up pass him this season. If they have more faith in Robinson, if they're worried about Gibson, so Gibson really risky, but you're also seeing his ADP fall quite a bit. Josh Jacobs, somebody who I've talked about for a couple of years, I thought was really underrated in fantasy. Everybody wasn't excited about him. I don't know if it was because they didn't think he could get up into the top five. He didn't have that Supreme upside, but he still was ending up as like a low end RB one, a top 15 back. For where you were getting him, he was putting up pretty good fantasy stats this year. I am so worried. You have the new coaching staff, Josh McDaniels, coming over, maybe bringing that Patriot-style backfield from everything we're hearing. A guy like Amir Abdullah could be the James White in that backfield. They really like Zamir White, uh, the rookie there, and, and he's a talent. I, I liked him coming out as well. I think he's somebody that could eventually emerge as a number one back, maybe the lead back at a committee, but a guy who has some traits that he could be the number one back there. Possible that Kenyon Drake is on the outs. If Amir Abdul is really going to take that James White role, then I'm not sure if Kenyon Drake will stick around, but we'll see. Either way, they're going to use multiple backs. Josh Jacobs, definitely somebody that I'm worried about. I love that. I love that. The other guy that I'm a little bit worried about is, is Miles Sanders is one of the names that you didn't mention. I know a lot of people don't like Miles Sanders, but I think that where he was going in drafts, I was starting to be like, okay, like maybe maybe he is worth a buy because they backed him, you know, as the clear running back one. But I think that one of the big issues last year is that he couldn't stay healthy. And, you know, it was today and this episode will be out like a week out about a week after, you know, we record this, but he's already, you know, dealing with some injuries in training camp. You know, he had a hamstring injury that's coming down. We've heard really great things about Kenneth Gainwell and that he's going to be playing in these high leverage situations and that, you know, he's going to be knocking on the door and you know, as much as we'd love to see Miles Sanders, it's like year after year, he's like that guy that we continuously buy. You know, there's a little bit of training camp hype that he looks explosive, and then every year he disappoints us. I mean, he's gone down in fantasy points, I think, three straight years now. And again, I like Miles Sanders, the talent. I like the player. I like that they have a good offensive line and a good offense, all great things. 
but it just seems like Miles Sanders is just it's just never going to be his year and he might not be able to stay healthy and get the touches that we're looking for him to get you know as the lead back in this system so Miles Sanders one other guy beyond Josh Jacobs and beyond someone like Antonio Gibson that I am just not very in on for this coming season but at wide receiver I'm curious to get your take on this one, and I should know this off the top of my head with your rankings, and maybe this is going to offend a lot of people, but the guy that I'm I'm a little bit worried about is DK Metcalf this year, and it's not because DK Metcalf's fantasy finish is going to be bad. I would bet you that DK Metcalf probably will finish above his ADP in fantasy football finish this year, but he's going to be a guy that I don't want on my fantasy team because he was already inconsistent with Russell Wilson. His finish was still great every year. He's good in fantasy every year. DK Metcalf is an amazing talent, an amazing player. But the week-to-week consistency with someone like Russell Wilson already wasn't good you know, because he relies on the deep ball, and DK Metcalf is always going to make big plays and score a lot of touchdowns. But when he's already inconsistent with Russell Wilson, and then you bring in someone like Geno Smith or Drew Locke, and you say, hey, DK Metcalf, go try to be consistent with these guys, it's just not going to happen. And I think DK Metcalf will probably have four or five blow-up games where people will blow up my mentions and say, why were you so low on DK Metcalf? And that's fine. But the majority of the season, week to week, you're not going to know when his blow-up weeks are going to be. And for that reason, I'm, I'm off DK Metcalf a little bit. Because we saw last year that you know air yards and bad quarterbacks matter. I mean, DK Metcalf and Cortland Sutton were almost equal in air yards. And DK Metcalf was a wide receiver one. And Cortland Sutton was outside the top 40 wide receivers. Am I saying that Corwin Sutton is as talented or more talented DK Metcalf? Absolutely not. But you see that the quarterback play really matters. And when they're getting similar air yards and there's such a big difference, a lot of that has to do with quarterback play. So again, I've said it already four times, but the consistency week to week is just not going to be there with DK Metcalf. And for that reason, he's fine where he's going in drafts, but not someone I want on my fantasy team week to week where I don't know when his spike weeks are going to be and when they're not going to be. Are you a are you a DK Metcalf guy where he's going right now? Do you have more faith than I do? I don't. I, I really like DK. I mean, I would echo a lot of the things you said. I think with the with the Seahawks offense, you're getting a discount on all these guys. Like Tyler Lockett is going so cheap that I do end up taking him quite a bit. Kenneth Walker is going so late that I end up taking him a little bit, but I'm not really excited to have any pieces of that offense because I don't think it's going to be a good year unless somehow they end up getting Jimmy Garoppolo, if that ends up working out somehow, the 49ers release him and he ends up in Seattle, which doesn't seem likely by any means. So I think it's going to be a rough year for the Seahawks offense. And if I'm just looking at upside on my fantasy teams, I don't feel like there's a ton in that offense this year. Kenneth Walker, maybe, maybe he could come through. The talent could overcome it, but they don't have a great offensive line. And how many times are they going to be in scoring position to help him out? Like, if Penny comes back and doesn't get hurt, which he already is, but if Penny ends up taking anything away from him, that could be a problem. So really look at the Seahawks offense as a whole. And unless you get an incredible discount, I don't really want to end up with many of those guys on my team. For me, I would say at receiver, it's Amari Cooper. And I mentioned it earlier, but with all the injuries that he's had going from Dallas to Cleveland, where these Stefanski offenses, they're near the bottom of the league in pass attempts every year. They like to spread the ball around. Amari Cooper, already a guy who's very volatile in terms of his production, has these big games and has really, really bizarre games where he completely disappears off the map. I'm worried about him. We saw it happen to Odell Beckham there, and you could blame that on Baker Mayfield if you want, but we've seen some of these other receivers in Cleveland have really spotty production. I think since Kevin Stavansky showed up, no receivers averaged more than 56 receiving yards per game there. So I'm just... 
I'm not really confident that Cooper is going to be a great pick on top of the fact that Deshaun Watson probably not going to play for a big chunk of the season, if at all. And on top of that, like I mentioned earlier, even if Watson comes back, the way I play fantasy, I want to have fun with it. I don't want to be rooting for Deshaun Watson in the fantasy playoffs. And that's going to be a really strange thing this year if he does come back late in the season. And that's not one that we have to get into. That is more about just your personal preference. But for me, I, I want to have as few Browns on my teams as possible this year because I don't want to have to rely on an offense led by Deshaun Watson. Yeah, that's that's a phenomenal point. And beyond that, just Amari Cooper again. Like Amari, no one's arguing Amari Cooper is a bad player, but he's not a guy that I think is an elite target commander. Again, I mentioned earlier in the show that he's never commanded over a 22% target share. So even if Deshaun Watson was the quarterback for all 16 games, which he clearly is not going to be, even that alone, I don't think that he's going to all of a sudden start commanding more targets. He's been in great offenses in Dallas. And outside of last year, after they drafted CeeDee Lamb, he's had he's had real chances to command a lot of targets without a ton of crazy target competition and still never did it. And I don't think in a less talented offense that has not produced really a true wide receiver one in points per game, you know, since the fans he took over in a place like Cleveland that we saw last year where – you know, I'm, I'm, I hate to bring weather into, you know, drafting Amari Cooper, but we saw numerous games last year in DFS slates, but like it was just terrible and you don't want to be doing it. And, you know, the more that this whole Deshaun Watson saga goes on, we don't need to get into this too much, like you mentioned, but it just seems less and less likely that he could actually end up even playing this season. I know the game, the suspension's only at six games right now. But that's going to be the minimum. So you're drafting Amari Cooper right now, hope, hoping, dare you hope that he gets on the field, but with the, you know, potential that Jacoby Brissett, or someone like Jacoby Brissett, unless they somehow trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, could be the quarterback for most of the season this year. So again, Amari Cooper, there's just too many factors that are pushing away. I'm 100% with you. Not a guy that I want to be drafting a lot of this year. But I the think last when, it comes, to, when yeah. it comes to drafting, too, one thing I want to say is whether it's a name like Metcalf or Amari Cooper, I think hardcore fantasy players know the situation with these guys. I think this time of year when we have some of the more casual fantasy players coming back, they just see those names and they remember the big games those guys have had yeah. and they'll end up leaning and, and grabbing them, right? I think a guy like that that I keep trying to tell people like Odell Beckham, when you're in the late rounds of your draft and you're like, oh my God, Odell Beckham, what if he comes back and he's healthy and all this stuff? Odell Beckham isn't going to play until very late in the season. So if you have an IR spot and you can stash him, great, but don't just see that name late in your draft and go, oh my God, I could put Odell Beckham on my bench for the, for the season. That's going to be fantastic. And then he's going to come out and halfway through the year, he's going to put up big stats. I would be shocked if we see him, you know, in November, I don't think he's going to do much this year. Maybe in December, you get something out of him, but unless you can stash him on IR, there's really no reason to draft a guy like that. So just be careful is what I'm trying to say to people. Some of these names, some of these household names you've known for a while, these situations change. And that's why it's important to, to follow people like Alex who put stuff out on Twitter all the time or follow my rankings and my draft kit that are updated all the time as well to reflect this stuff. Absolutely. And I think, again, and when it comes to a lot of these drafts, I think other people can relate to this, like with guys like Amari Cooper or Odell Beckham or, you know, people like that are former big names. There's just usually one person that's willing to draft them more than I am. And again, when you're playing with at least nine to 15 other people, you know, beyond yourself, it's very fair that usually that there's always one person that's a little bit more in on somebody than, than you are at the end of the day. But the last portion of, of the show today, I have four players that I want to talk about. I used fantasy pros, expert consensus rankings and half PPR versus your half PPR rankings. And there's some interesting players on this list here that you are a lot higher on than, than Fantasy Pros is, and I was curious to hear your takes on why you really believe in this player. The first one I want to start with is at running back in Chase Edmonds. 
Chase Edmonds right now in Fantasy Pros is climbing very quickly and is up to the ECR, which is Expert Consensus Rankings, running back 30. Justin, you have him as your running back 23 right now. That's as high as I've seen almost anybody. So why are you so, so high on Chase Edmonds this year, and where do you see his ceiling falling? Well, let's say one thing first. So the fantasy pros um, ECR, I think sometimes it takes a little while. Not every analyst in there updates right away, right? So I think sometimes, and that's me, I'm being generous. I, I want to yeah. say that I think people are going to come around on this. And I think this time of year, when we start to see the, the news come out. You start to see these players and the depth charts and stuff. I think people will come around on it. But for me, all off season long, I've looked at this situation and said, contract wise, he gets a much bigger contract than the other guys in that backfield, right? He gets a two-year, $12 million deal where uh, Raheem Mostert, Sony Michelle, they both signed one-year deals for around $2 million. So that tells you that the team values Edmonds a lot more. Edmonds, the only one that really has the skill set to be a great pass catcher as well in that offense. Now, whether they use him a lot that way, we don't know, but he's the only one really out of those guys that has that. We haven't seen Raheem Mostert put up big stats like that in the passing game. We haven't really seen Sony Michelle do it, even though in college, I believe he did a little bit, but in the NFL, he hasn't really been used that way very much at all. So for me, it's always been Edmonds there. Now you take an offense where you're adding weapons like Tyreek Hill to them. It, it seems like they're going to be a pretty explosive attack. So that makes you interested in their running back. The reports coming out of camp are that Edmonds is clearly the lead guy. They've upgraded the offensive line. You bring a stud left tackle and Tron Armstead there. Hopefully he can stay healthy all season long. But that's a big time upgrade. And you bring over Mike McDaniel from the 49ers system, from the Shanahan rushing attacks. We don't for sure know what his offense is going to look like, but you imagine that it's going to have a little bit of that Shanahan system in there. And that's been great for running backs. So I think there's a shot that we could see Edmonds be one of the breakout guys. And it's tough to find like guys that are sleepers, not even that Edmonds is a true sleeper, but guys that are kind of flying under the radar a little bit who could put up RB2 numbers or even higher this season. And I think Edmonds is somebody that I guess because Raheem Mostert was there and they signed Sony Michelle, people were a little bit worried, but I'm still not convinced that Mostert's going to be able to be a full go for week one. And if he is out there, how long is he going to be able to stay out there? We haven't seen Raheem Mostert stay on the field for long stretches at all. It's really unfortunate. He always gets banged up, gets nicked up as the year goes along here. So that's concerning. I think we could see some sort of tandem, whether it is Mostert early and then Sony Michelle with Edmonds, but Edmonds is clearly the lead guy there. And I think he's going to put up much better stats than people realize. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, I, they, one of the most improved offensive lines in the league, you know, as well. I think this offense is going to improve when you add weapons like Tyreek Hill and, you know, the new coach and Mike McDaniel. But I think the other thing that, you know, scheme wise that has also been noted by Chase Edmonds himself, you know, in training camp, he said that, you know, this new offense is running, you know, a more outside zone kind of scheme which favors, you know, smaller, faster running backs rather than an inside zone scheme that that favors, you know, the, the, the grind it through the tackles kind of guys like we saw in James Conner in Arizona last year. So Chase Edmonds actually fits this scheme better. Their offensive line is improving. The money is there. And this is an offense that, you know, we're with Mike McDaniel last year with the 49ers. They ran the ball the fourth most in the NFL. So it doesn't mean they're going to automatically run fourth most in the NFL this year with the Dolphins, but I think this is going to still be a run-heavy team. And from everything we've heard, they clearly want to use Chase Edmonds, so I really like where he's going. Next guy I want to talk about, and we're also shifting from expert consensus rankings because you made a good point about, you know, that they're not always updated the best, something like underdog ADP, which is updated, you know, every single day pretty much. And Mike Williams is the only guy that doesn't have as big of a gap between ECR and ADP, but – 
Mike Williams, you have as your wide receiver 12. Right now, an underdog, he's the wide receiver 14. Mike Williams did finish as the wide receiver 12 last year. He set a number of career highs. He just got a huge payday. He's got he's a big touchdown score that I think is due for some more positive regression. He's only converted 20% of his end zone targets since 2019. So I think Mike Williams is in for some big things. Why are you so high on Mike Williams, a wide receiver one this year? And what do you think his ceiling is? Well, we saw him do it last year, like you just talked yeah. about. But also, we saw the Chargers. They showed us their hand on this. Before the season last yeah. year, there was a press conference where Justin Herbert came out and straight up said, we have to get Mike Williams the ball more. He's a guy we need to feature in the offense. And then they just went out and they did it. And early in the season, he had great stats. There was a bit of a lull there, but some of the beat writers have pointed to he had a knee injury, I believe it was, and sort of that was an issue for him for a little stretch. And then went back to putting up pretty good stats down the stretch again and on the year it was great numbers ton of touchdown upside you talked about it i think you might have even tweeted that out and i think i cited that in a couple articles in a couple places um yeah in terms of that red zone usage and how there could actually be more from and this is a guy that we've seen him put up double digit touchdowns before would it shock anybody if he does that again and has one of those massive kind of touchdown seasons could really see that happen and i think we're just going to watch I know Austin Eckler recently said if he had to pick between the two, he would pick Keenan Allen because he's going to catch 100 balls again because Keenan Allen catches 100 balls almost every year, right? But we're getting to an age now with Keenan Allen where those numbers might start to decrease. There were a few metrics last year where it seems like it might be the start of a little bit of a decline, and he's not going to disappear completely. He has a skill set where he's going to be around for a long time, going to have that Larry Fitzgerald kind of impact where he's going to have ways that he can win. He is going to be very productive in the offense still. But I think they're going to continue to feature Mike Williams as really what I think is going to be their number one moving forward. I think they paid him accordingly. and They like him. And this is just really exciting being attached to a quarterback like Justin Herbert as well. You want these pieces that are attached to some of the best quarterbacks in the league. You mentioned Juju with Patrick Mahomes. You know, we love Stefan Diggs and some of the other Bills receivers there attached to Josh Allen. Justin Herbert is right up there with those guys, whether people realize it or not yet. He is right up there in terms of how good of a quarterback he is. So you want to get all the pieces you can in this offense. And Mike Williams right up there. Aside from PPR, where I think I have Keenan Allen one spot ahead of him, in every other format, he finished ahead of Keenan Allen. He just edged him out, but he got ahead of Keenan Allen last year So in points per game. So I, I really like Williams this year as a guy that I think could crack the, the wide receiver one range and maybe be there for a little while here. He's not that old. Well, I think there's some other things that, again, like when we talked about earlier with the, the game theory aspect of, of Juju Smith-Schuster, I think Mike Williams is the perfect guy to kind of talk about this, this game theory type thing. Because, I mean, for one, Mike Williams had some sort of knee injury last year. So I think that anyone would agree, even if it was for a week that it affected him or two weeks, that he's probably going to be healthier going into this year. Is that is that a fair way to put it? I don't know about yeah. going into the year, but versus but, the injury but, that happened yeah. during the season exactly. last year. Yeah, he, he, he's healthy he's entering the year he, right now. So, so he's healthier. That's one. Keenan Allen just had a career high 106 receptions last year, and now he's 30 years old. He's probably not going to go up any higher. Austin Eckler had a league high 20 touchdowns last year. That's probably not going to go any higher. Austin Eckler is also getting older. So Mike Williams just got the biggest payday of his life is probably still improving heading into his age 27, age 28 season. Justin Herbert is also improving going into his third year. And Keenan Allen is coming off a career high in catches at 30 years old. And Austin Eckler just led the NFL in touchdowns last year. So Austin Eckler is probably not going to get any better. Keenan Allen is probably not going to get any better. Justin Herbert is only going to get better. 
Mike Williams just got paid and should only get better. And Mike Williams was already the wide receiver 12 in fantasy football this year. And number six here is just that, you know, he's probably healthier this season than he was last season dealing with that knee injury. So how does he not go up when he already finishes the wide receiver 12 and these other weapons in the offense are probably not going to improve except for his quarterback. The only concern is he's the type of player. He really puts his body in bad situations, right? He's kind of reckless with some of those contested catches and he falls awkwardly. That still happens. So there's some worry that he could get banged up and durability issues, but that's really at this point, I think the only thing that you're worried about with Mike Williams. Yeah, no, so he, he drops like you're you're trying to like, you know, grab a plate and be quiet in the middle of the night and you just happen to drop it. <laughs> and it just like just crashes to the ground as loud as you possibly can do it. That's Mike Williams to me. He's the thing you drop in the middle of the night that you can't save and it couldn't fall any harder and it could you couldn't feel the impact more than you do in that moment. Mike Williams reminds me a lot of one of those things that you were dropping in the middle of the night. But next guy I want to talk about is Darnell Mooney. Darnell Mooney, you have as the wide receiver 18 right now on underdog. He is going as the wide receiver 30. Underdog's pretty sharp. You, Justin, the most accurate expert in the world within the last couple years, have Darnell Mooney 12 spots above where some very sharp people have him. Why are you so in on Darnell Mooney right now? This is one where this might be the biggest difference that I have with other people in the industry and with ADP and that sort of thing. And I just break it down. I mean, we know a lot of the stuff. I mean, I can recap it quick, but a lot of the stuff with Mooney, we talked about with Cole Komet, right? That there's not really a lot of pass catchers in the offense, that he's, he's going to get incredible volume. He needs to be that guy that the coaching staff's going to be better. And I even talked about some of his quotes about how they're moving around. They're going to get him open. But when I just look at the numbers from last season, 31st most fantasy points per game among receivers last year. But when you look at targets, average the 18th most targets last season. I think that's going to go up. Does anybody want to disagree that that's going to go up, that he's going to get more volume if he stays healthy? I like that he stepped up to this challenge. He said he added 13 pounds to try to really build his body up and get ready to be a number one so that he can make it through the year and not get some of those little nicks and bruises that could keep him out for a game or, you know, could cost him some efficiency. And so when I look at that and I say, okay, his numbers are going to go up. Allen Robinson, not there anymore. He's going to get more volume. When I look at what happened last year in terms of the guys that got the top targets in the league, eight of the 10 leaders in average targets per game finished as top 12 fantasy receivers last season. And that's obvious. I mean, you get the wow. volume, you're going to put up the fantasy stats. But if he was 18th in average targets last year, he doesn't have to go very far to get up into that range. And what are we looking for? We're looking for opportunity. We're looking for guys who are talented. He showed us last year he is. Had over 80 catches, over 1,000 yards, only four touchdowns. And now that opportunity is going to be cranked up even more. We want to chase these guys. Like we keep looking at CD lamb as somebody that CD lamb could lead the league in targets this year, based on what's going on in that receiving core for Dallas and the lack of other options and the injuries to Gallup and the injuries to James Washington is going to miss some time. So CD lamb is going to get all this volume. Darnold Mooney is going to get a ton of volume as well. The coaching staff is going to help. The offensive line is definitely going to hurt. Like I said before, the offensive line, there's no getting around that. No one's coming to save them that offensive line is going to be pretty rough. So hopefully that doesn't sink the whole offense. But I still think that Justin Fields is a talented quarterback, even though they are not doing anything to help this poor guy out. He's got chemistry with Mooney. He showed it last year. They're going to make some really nice music together this year. And based on volume, that's why I have Mooney so high in that range. 
Well, I mean, going off of that again, it just goes back to when you like when you look at things just simply, you know, from an outside perspective. Darno Mooney is going into his third year. He's probably going to be better than his second year. This offense has a new coordinator. This offense couldn't have been much worse last year. So their offense is improving. Mooney last year in his second season was the wide receiver 23. So why are we drafting him even lower in a better offense with a probably improved Justin Fields and even less target competition heading into his age 24, 25 season as a third year player and third year, second and third year, the two biggest breakout years. And we're drafting him seven spots lower than where he finished last year. I know finish is not his points per game, but still like the offense is improving. He's improving. Justin Fields is improving. So why are we drafting him later when he can see the volume that he's going to see? It's not rare. It's very rare that we see players that are going to get the type of volume that he will, and they don't end up producing. I love the nugget that you had, too, about him improving his weight you know, so he could take some more hits. So, again, I get people not wanting to draft him because I get his upside is a little bit capped You know, in an offense where he may not see a ton of touchdowns. But you know, we didn't see a ton of touchdowns last year, and he still produced very highly in fantasy. I don't see why he improves even more going into his third year. Um, that is great stuff on Darnell Mooney. The final player that I wanted to ask you about is another guy that reminds me, not reminds me, but is someone similar to Juju Smith-Schuster where I, I felt like I was very off him early in the season. And every day that moves forward, uh, and especially because of training camp, he's probably the most hyped-up training camp player arguably in the NFL right now. But I'm more and more in on Brandon Ayuk every single day. And Brandon Ayuk is someone I'm continuing to growing on. And right now, an underdog, he's going as the wide receiver 36. And now Brandon Ayuk in your rankings is going as the wide receiver 27. He was the wide receiver 16 over this back half of last year. He's finished as a top 35 wide receiver last year, which is completely cherry-picked because he's finished as the 35 both those years. But he's trained with Trey Lance all offseason. He's been getting nonstop hype every day. Where do you see Trey Lance's sorry, where do you see Brandon Ayuk's ceiling being this year in fantasy football? And why, maybe because of these reasons and more, are you so in on Brandon Ayuk this year? It ties back. I mean, we're going to put a, a bow on everything. It ties back to the Trey Lance stuff and the aggressiveness downfield and the bigger arm. And yes, the connection that the two of them have formed. Ayuk has been in his pocket all offseason long. They're apparently very close. They've been training together a ton. And apparently it showed. And maybe it helped in the same way that without Jimmy Garoppolo around, Trey Lance was allowed to kind of take on a bigger role and make it his team at this point, right? Well, Debo Samuel didn't practice because of his contract situation for a while. And it allowed Brandon Ayuk to finally step into being a real leader on the team, a leader in the receiving core. We hear all these stories about him, John, with the defense and really come into his own around that team in that environment. If we want to just look at the stats, I mean, you said some of them, but you go back to that first year, some of the metrics after his first season really matched up with some of the best receivers we've ever seen. Like he, remember he is a first round town. He has the draft capital. It is all there. Everything is there for him. And then he comes out and there were a lot of injuries in that first year. You had Kittle go down. You had Debo get hurt, but he was the wide receiver 15 in fantasy points per game from week three on comes out last year, the doghouse stuff, whatever second half of the year. Even if you want to look at just the, the final 10 outings, I'll expand it a little more here. He was the wide receiver 22 over that stretch. And he's wow. going off the board outside of the top 30, right? And last year, that's with Debo there. That's with George Kittle there. He was still putting up low-end wide receiver two numbers. Now you have Lance. You have this connection. You have all the positive buzz, like you said, coming out of training camp. I, I think this offense is going to be one of the offenses this year that just goes to another level because Lance is there, because they have that ability to kind of unlock things 
that much more. And yeah, there's target competition, but really, I think George Kittle's the one I'm more worried about because back when Kittle was putting up elite fantasy stats and Kittle, no doubt, talent-wise, maybe the best tight end in the NFL. But when he was putting up the really elite fantasy stats, it was because there wasn't a lot of target competition there. Now you have Debo, you have Ayuk, really these two wide receiver ones in that offense. So I'm a little more worried about George Kittle in terms of fantasy. I've kind of bumped him down out of that elite tier now. I have him uh, just kind of I take him. I probably don't end up with him in very many leagues actually this year because I have him ranked a little lower than I think most people do and lower than ADP. But I'm very excited. I think to look at Ayuk and have his his wide receiver 36 ADP going off the board in the seventh round, I can't really explain that based on what we've seen from him so far and the excitement over what this offense could be, unless it's just because there's certain talking heads that are really down on Trey Lance and maybe that's bringing the whole thing down. But Ayuk is going to be a great fantasy player, even with Debo there, even with Kittle there. It's going to be an offense that you want pieces of for sure this season. Yeah, and again, going back to what like, this is, this has become a theme of the show at this point. But it's like, look what he did last year. Like, how is he not like his situation has done nothing but improve, and that that's the biggest thing when it comes down to it. That all these guys that we keep talking about were already good players last season, and they all have improved situations, and they're in good offenses for the most part. Not not exactly Darnell Mooney, but again, the volume is going to be there. But Ayuk is one of those guys that I think the more offseason's gone off, and you know maybe it's because the dinner narrative and that they're working out together every day in Southern California, him and Trey Lance. But again, we've seen nothing but great things about Ayuk, and you know Kyle Shanahan last year was a guy that would said that Ayuk has not been you know what we were hoping him to be, and he wasn't exactly praising Ayuk, but this year he's gone out of his way to saying that he gets it now. You know, we saw it over the, he said himself, he's like, we saw it over the back half of last season and he's carried that into the off season has had as good of an off season as any player on our entire roster. Brandon Ayuk, I think is going to be one of those guys this year. I absolutely love him. And Justin, I absolutely love having you on the fresh fantasy podcast. Once again, it's been such a pleasure having you today, getting to talk ball. And I can't wait for the people to hear this episode before we go. You are doing a lot of really wonderful, amazing things over at the score. I know there's a pretty good, uh, pretty good draft kit I heard that you can get over there um, for a very cheap price. That is a four-letter word. But Justin, please tell the people where they can find all your great stuff and all the great work that you're doing. Yeah, download the Score app if you haven't already. Not just for my content, but all our content, our scores pages, just the best in the world. Just go check it out. I promise you. I am not selling it because I used it long before I worked for the score. It is the best sports app in the world. So go check that out. The draft kit, like you mentioned, is 100% free. They are giving it to you for free, not charging you a dime. I know there's a lot of great sites out there. You can pay for their draft kits, but I will put ours up against anybody's has my rankings in there. Dynasty trade value charts, breakouts, bus, offensive line rankings, a draft strategy stuff. We got preseason takeaways, all the podcast episodes. It's all in one spot. It's designed for mobile. So it can be easy. Just have it on your phone or your iPad while you're doing your draft. Nice and simple like that. So you can check that out. Check out the score fantasy football podcast. Like I said, Alex, we're going to have to get you on pretty soon. Um, we're doing right now, we're doing three episodes a week because I was, I normally do two in August per week and go to three during the season. But this week after the first round of preseason games, I had too much I wanted to talk about. So I had to jump on and do a third episode. So we'll do that again next week as well. And I have to go to a wedding at the end of the month. So I don't know about that third week of the preseason. It could be a little difficult. That one might come out a day or two later because I'm going to have to catch up. But uh, it's a close friend's wedding I got to go out of town for. But yeah, I mean, we're doing this all off season long. I'm keeping that draft kit 
uh, updated all until the kickoff. Uh, right up, I know some people do their drafts the, the Tuesday, the Wednesday of that first week. I will continue to update everything in the draft kit right up until week one starts. So I'm very excited for week one to start as well in season. That's my bread and butter. I got quite the routine that I've done the the last several <laughs> years. So I just fall right back onto the train tracks. We've talked about it before, Alex. And away we go for for four months. Don't have a lot of plans during the season, but uh, I try to get my fun in in the off season. So yeah, we'll get you on the podcast soon, man. I always appreciate talking to you. It's been great watching you come up in the industry and watching you continue to grow here. And I'm happy to be a part of that. And I love coming on the show. So anytime you need me, let me know. Absolutely. Could not appreciate the kind words anymore. But again, it's a pleasure to have you on the show. And for the people at Justin Boone on Twitter, if you also think James Robinson is coming back too quickly and you're not happy about it, make sure you're following Justin. Please, people, I'm being sarcastic for anyone that missed the joke. Um, but again, <laughs> you know where to find him and all the great content coming over at The Score. But I appreciate the kind words and I appreciate you listeners listening along with us talking about the greatest sport in the entire world in fantasy football. But as always, you guys already know, please leave a review. You guys already know what to do. And I hope you all have a great rest of your day.